previously on Searching for Ghosts. And one year in, the rumors about Cindy's possible involvement were already circulating. From Cindy, quote, It's hard to swallow that some people think you killed your child and hid the body. I can relate to that guy accused in the Olympic bombing, unquote. The article begins, quote, Police believe that Casey ran away. It's possible an unknown male is involved. Reports have been phoned in from across the U.S. describing Casey with an older man. The article also states that, quote, After searching the McDaniel home and finding none of Casey's personal belongings missing, investigators started treating the case as an abduction. They searched the residence for fingerprints Tuesday, unquote. This was four days into the investigation. There are so many of these rumors floating around about Mr. X that people truly believe that they must be addressed. But Casey's story isn't a work of fiction. This is real life. She was a real 14-year-old girl with real hopes and real dreams. And those hopes and dreams were cut short by a real, bad person. Trying to figure out what to air in this podcast is a constant tightrope walk. I have to sift through the myriad of rumors to find the truth. I don't want this to be the audio equivalent of a topics discussion board. But sometimes you have to put unsubstantiated stories out there to get people to come out with the truth. I am constantly having to keep law enforcement's best interests in mind, which is a guessing game because I'm not in communication with them. The last thing I want to do is to be a hindrance to the investigation of the disappearance of Casey McDaniel. And then there is the family. These are real people, and here I am putting things out in a public forum that sometimes are not the most flattering. I gain no pleasure whatsoever in talking about people's private lives. But in order to find answers, this is a necessary evil. And after the Mr. X episode, I thought it was time to give the family a chance to talk. Cindy has had an open invitation to speak her mind, unedited. I've gotten word to her that I will just hit record and she can say whatever she wants. But I also wanted to give others in the family the opportunity to have a say. And Casey's aunt and cousin took me up on this offer. Pam and her son Lucas met with me in Jackson, Tennessee. I had no questions prepared. I just came in, set up my recording equipment, and told them that they had the floor. If something came up that spawned a question, I would ask. But otherwise, this was their time. And they came prepared. Pam brought in a file folder overflowing with 21 years of paperwork documenting all the starts and stops. I am Brandon Barnett. This is Casey's family. And this is Searching for Ghosts. Casey's aunt. Um, you know, I've known the family for 30 years. And um, I know that, um, you know, growing or when the you know kids were little, um, we spent a lot of time, you know, um, at Casey's house. Um, me and Cindy uh, were really close, and um, uh, the kids were close to um, Casey and Jesse, Cindy's brother. I mean, 
sorry, Casey's brother. Um, Cindy, you know, babysat my kids. I babysat her kids. Mine spent the night at her house. Her spent the night at my house. I mean, we just, you know, had a good close relationship. And um, unfortunately, you know, things happened and we haven't been able to stay in touch with each other like we used to. I just uh, remember getting a phone call and I, I believe it was, you know, that Saturday saying that, um, you know, Casey didn't come home or Casey, you know, uh, Cindy and them had gotten home and Casey wasn't at home. And of course, you know, the whole story about the back door open, the cookies and milk in front of the TV and Casey was gone and, you know, Cindy and uh, Steve had thought that maybe she spent the night with somebody and uh, they had called around to uh, check with friends to see if, you know, Casey was at somebody's house or, you know, maybe had spent the night with Amber and they weren't able to find her. And then I remember, you know, just everybody, you know, riding around looking for Casey. Um, uh, I remember uh, the Monday afternoon, let's see, Jesse came, you know, stayed with us for several days to kind of get him out of that and let Cindy focus yeah. on finding Casey. I think I was or eight, nine years old. Me and Jesse. Yeah, probably somewhere around there. Yeah. And um, uh, kind of, uh, you know, to get Jesse away so Cindy could focus on what she needed to do to try to help find. I know Cindy called, called around. Uh, she had a notebook, and she'd write down, you know, people she called, things she had checked, uh, people she talked to, you know, but I don't. I don't know what all was in the notebook, what she wrote down. I, I just know that she actively tried to help find Casey too. And I don't know at what point, you know, things kind of turned and I think there was just a lot of, um, a lot of finger pointing and she kind of felt like they weren't maybe focusing on what they needed to focus on. They were more focused on, you know, family. And, you know, I and I don't think that Cindy had anything to do with it. I mean, I think that um, she's done what she could do to try to help find Casey. And unfortunately, she's just been through several different avenues of authority figures that kind of... Um, turned out to be not what we expected. And maybe that her trust in the uh, authorities was lost, you know, back then because of the finger pointing and because of empty promises and things that they said they were doing. I've almost dropped this project countless times for a number of different reasons. Lucas helped remind me as to why I started this thing to begin with. The reason we're doing this now is, um Obviously, Casey's family, she needs a voice, and um, personally, I'm tired of the, the starting and stopping over the past 20 years, and each year I get older, it, it eats at me more and more, and um, 
I just I can't let all this go, you know. Uh, when you started the podcast, I knew this would be the outlet to get people talking again, and um, you're our best resource. <laughs> this is what I mean. This is why it's been 20 years because we start and we stop, and we yeah. start and we stop. And when you came up with this, I was like, "This is it." Yeah. Because we only can do so much. Mm-hmm. Law enforcement does their job. You know, mm-hmm. we try to to keep her name up and keep people talking. I kind of feel like a lot of people have. Um, I don't know how to say it. A lot of people have focused on the negative things and aren't aware of you know what all that Cindy has done and what she's gone through to try to help to find Casey um, you know I know that Cindy has lit, written letters to you know senators congressmen uh, state representatives um, she's you know written letters uh, asking for help on the rewards um, uh, search dogs uh, psychics, uh, psychics, Lisa yeah. Gibbon show, mm-hmm. um, and that's <clears throat> that's just the documented stuff, and that's not her doing her own investigating and <coughs> research. Um, yeah. And a lot of people see Cindy <clears throat> as being involved with supposedly being involved with drugs, and that makes her look like a bad person when that's all anyone hears so when we were growing up Cindy was a second mother treated me and uh, my brother Justin like her own I just want people to know what Cindy has done and I could never put myself in her shoes her daughter went missing and she's been fighting for 20 years to find out what happened to her. And most of the time, uh, the fingers always pointed right at Cindy. So for her to be hesitant about talking to anyone about this, I mean, I could understand where she's coming from on that, but like I said, you can't you can't put yourself in her shoes unless you went through 20 years of this so Cindy wouldn't want either one of us to have to defend her she would tell us don't worry about it and she's not worried about what what people think of her she just wants to find answers she wants to find her daughter find out what happened Pam talked about how close Cindy was with Billy Hale from the National Missing Children's Locate Center I also saw firsthand the documents where Cindy was asking for help with one letter addressed to then-Tennessee Governor Don Sundquist. And our interview momentarily turned into a research session. I know, I mean, I went with Cindy uh, when we went to the Lisa Gibbon show. Um, I believe it's when we came back, we stopped by Billy Hale's house. You were there. We stopped by and ate with him. You know, her and Billy were, like, you know, really close, and he worked with her. Um, a lot, and I think after he died, I mean, she kind of, you know, felt lost. Like, yeah. I mean, he he was, he he had her back, um, but uh, 
I remember going by their house and, you know, we sat out in the yard, talked to him forever. I mean, he's just a really nice guy, but I can't find anything on him. And he was in Murfreesboro. Mm-hmm. So um, the, the report should have gone to Milan PD, the place in Portland, which he tried to contact the retiring guy, and Billy Hale, and then, of course, Harry. I'm just curious, you know, like. And here's a few things. I mean, all that, all that stuff's like. It's, it's, it's easy to say something as bogus now in which stuff changes and you find new evidence but if you can find initial reports on, on anything that, that's fresh you know like I said there may be information that comes out that changes all that but at the time that Billy Hale thing you get yeah, closer sure. to the truth at least you get close to what people were thinking yeah if you can find them so yeah National Children's Locate Center is yep. that what you said yeah yeah does it have an address or anything? It's a P.O. box. Yeah. You want to screen or take a picture of that? And, that. Um, and I don't know who he was married to. I mean, I don't know if his wife would be willing to talk. If she's still around, she was really nice. See, the thing wasn't okay. It is national. It's he was the investigator. For the Tennessee branch, I, I cannot believe I can't find anything. National on Missing Children's Locate Center, Field Investigators, Tennessee branch. But see, that says Tennessee branch, like it was a. Yeah, and it says Department of Defense up there. Oh, okay, for the helicopter, okay. So oh. What's the What were they doing talking to him? Okay, that's when probably Cindy was trying to, him and Cindy were trying to get the helicopter to come in. To, yeah. And it was denied or something. Huh. Um, yeah, man, that's, that's the stuff that people don't know, yeah. man. I mean, you're dealing with somebody missing and, and you're fighting things like that the whole time, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that's true. He, uh, there was a request, and it was denied for the use of the Tennessee National Guard thermal imaging system. So that was something that you know Cindy had asked them to do, and she had written letters. What was the date on that letter? Uh, 1998. February 21st. Yeah. Then we got back on track. I can't tell you one thing that Cindy. Uh, it said to me that um, she was fine with at one time the the cops you know asking her questions and um, checking into her because she said I know that you're trying to find my daughter I know you're doing your job you know you're trying your hardest to find my daughter and that may have been way before all the stuff's happened that she's been through all the roadblocks. I think that maybe she has voiced her opinion and what she felt like needed to be looked into or or issues that she felt like maybe needed to be addressed. And I think maybe the, the focus got put off on this The focus was more on one person 
when it should have been directed in other places too. So I think her gut feeling was, look, this is what you need to focus on and you're too focused on this. And I think at some point, you know, she was like, I've tried everything I can do to try to get them to focus their attention this way. And like maybe they didn't believe her. I think she feels like that people did not believe her, you know, this is in her, or this is her gut feeling what she thinks happened or, or maybe, you know, this is the path we need to follow, but that authorities were so, you know, focused on following this other path that she just, you know, basically like shut herself down because it's like, you know, focus on this, look at this, or what about this? And, you know, she needs somebody, she needed somebody that would listen to her and listen to her side of the story and quit having that one-sided focus. Yeah. To them, it just made her look more suspicious that she was <laughs> she was trying to get them to look into another avenue. Right. And they I were like, she well, she was felt so, you know, involved. Yeah. Then that makes it look like she's trying to push it off, but right. that's not what she was trying to do. Right. The way that Cindy talked, man, they... Um, watched a lot of things like she would sit down and say okay are y'all ready y'all gonna record this they're like no go ahead you know stuff like that would happen all the time that's not even the worst yeah you know so (laughs) who knows what they looked into and what they didn't um the sheriff at that time i mean you know he definitely turned out to not have a very good reputation so I don't think anything that he did you know I I, I didn't trust him so you know then once he was out of office and the new one came in it was like there was some hope there that maybe something was going to be done well in the past year you know that's kind of all falling apart and he wasn't the person that we thought he was either so I think it's just unfortunately been through some um, some bad phases and just we need the right people on it now. And then Pam wanted to address the Mr. X theory. Just hearing you know the first Mr. X and his list of you know charges um, you know I was surprised that there were so many of them and just hearing those charges you think well yeah you know that's probably the guy. I mean he had a bad reputation. Um, he was wild. Um, you know, there was all kinds of rumors about things that went on in his house and all that. But I don't. I just all these you know stories about um, you know her being pregnant or um, or you know him having her picked up and brought out there, and it's it was you know, because of a, a, a drug deal and all that. I just, I don't believe all that. And I, as bad as he is, I just, and as many charges as, you know, he's had against him, I just don't think that that's the person that they needed to focus on. And I can see why they did, but we just need, you know, we need nowhere to look. Um, we need evidence, we need somebody to come forward that knows something. You know, I'm tired of hearing all the stories about what happened to Casey, about, you know, feeding her to the hogs or 
or being buried under a bridge or, or she's under the school or we've heard every single rumor that's out there you know people are good at repeating rumors but you know come forward with what you know that's evidence not just a bunch of damn stories that you've heard uh, and um with uh, the comments that people make whether it be Facebook or anywhere else um, just before you do anything realize that this isn't a TV show that Brandon's trying to help um, she also got to think of Cindy you got to think of the family you got to think of Jesse and People that think they do have valuable information need to come forward and tell it to law enforcement or tell it to Brandon and uh, not just place a theory out there because they want their name mentioned. <laughs> I want people to realize too that um, every piece of information is not going to be made public and it's, it's not going to be the public's outlet. <laughs> Um, eventually when we find Casey and we find answers we want justice to be served and we want the people responsible um, you know to get what they deserve so that's why everything can't be made public as far as law enforcement's involvement um, what they can and can't say when this happened 20 years ago, the case was open. The case is not closed as of now, so it's still open. That's all I can say. There is some hope as far as Pam is concerned with the people on the case currently. Uh, I know now the people that are you know, actively working on the case, uh, that this is people that you know I trust. Um, I think that they've got uh, Casey's best interest at heart and and you know they're on Cindy's side and they want to help Cindy find Casey. I, I think there's just a, a different set of people you know now and these the people now I feel more confident in them being able to work together and you know help each other out. It is critical that people come forward who have valid information concerning Casey's disappearance. Eliminating questions is just as important as finding answers. We have to cut through the fog. They went in and, like, copied all of Casey's, you know, um, like, that's her little calendar and stuff and contacts and all that. And that's what they were trying to see if they seen anything in there. But also, like, it just shows that she had plans of stuff coming up. Yeah. So that whole runaway situation from the beginning, they were trying to say, hey, like, she wouldn't do that. Yeah. And I think the reason... Wow, that first episode, Amber said that they went by Casey's uncles for some reason. That was my dad. Okay. Um, I don't remember them coming by. I was with him, but um, we didn't live, what, how far away from them? Your dad's house? Maybe Basically. Ten minutes. Yeah. Ten she probably went to dad thinking, like, that's her older brother, the one that's most responsible, that could figure out what's going on or yeah. where Casey is or find her or she thought if Casey was to go to a family member 
She would either go to Granny's or she would go to Joe. Okay. And you never know what kind of valuable information will come up when you least expect it. Somebody drove by there and they noticed a, um, a truck in the driveway and in the carport, somebody was standing under the carport, uh, like up against the wall. And it just got their attention. I don't remember all the facts and details, but supposedly this person either turned back around and went back by and drove really slow. And they saw, um, you know, the person in the carport standing up against the wall. And then this guy in this truck, or outside of his truck, had one elbow propped up on top of the cab of the truck and the door open on the driver's side, the other elbow on the top of the door, and was talking to whoever it was in the carport. And he said that this, you know, as he drove by slowly, this guy just turned around and just stared at him. And he said, you know, he thought it was weird. Um, that's as far as that went. But didn't recognize, um, didn't recognize him. No, as far as I know, like he wasn't able to, or he may have given a description or something, but it yeah. didn't, it didn't lead to anything that I know of, or I don't even know what the description was mm-hmm. of the truck, or uh, I know they uh, wanted him to maybe undergo hypnosis to see if he remembered anything, and I don't think that ever was followed through on, or or maybe you know he didn't feel comfortable doing it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, of course all this isn't, I, you know, I don't know it all for a fact, it's just right. another story I was told, but that one was from a pretty legitimate source, so I believe that that happened. I just wish whoever that person was, they'd yeah. step up now. We're not, yeah, not trying to start the rumor mill again, but this is just things that have been written down over since years ago, so it's hard to remember every little thing, but those are important details that we don't have. guys, Brandon here. I need your help. Searching for Ghosts is made on a shoestring budget. It costs money and time to be able to produce this. I don't believe in doing fundraisers like GoFundMe to support this project. I want to provide a good or service before I ask anyone to spend their hard-earned money. A while back, I put out a four-song album on iTunes and Amazon. It's called Left of Nashville. I recorded everything myself and am quite proud of it. It even caught the eye of some publishers in Los Angeles. So I'm asking that if you are enjoying Searching for Ghosts, that you would pick up a copy of the Left of Nashville EP. Again, you can find this on both iTunes and Amazon.com. The cost is under $4. I will have a link to this in the episode show notes. The way to access the show notes is to simply tap the Searching for Ghosts cover art for the episode. You will see the links for Amazon and iTunes. I appreciate your support. By purchasing the Left of Nashville EP, you are directly supporting Searching for Ghosts which will allow it to continue. 
Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Left of Nashville Podcast Network. Mm-hmm.